Attention all mortals, veterans and civilians alike. It's time to buckle up and get ready for a wild ride because you just tuned in to the Swan Dingo Files. Your host, Steven Swanson, is here to help you navigate the crazy world of transitioning from military life to civilian life. And let me tell you, it's a bumpy road, but with a little bit of humor and a lot of determination, we can make it through together. Well, uh, again, my name is Brian Gibson, a 26-year Army veteran. I joined the Army because my father, a 30-year Navy man, put me on a Tiger cruise one summer, and I realized I couldn't swim that well. That's funny. I like that one. My intent was to hop in, do my four years, get my college money, and roll out. Hmm. Well, how did that work out? Well, I found a home in the Army, right? Uh, uh, I kind of did the same thing, too. Yeah. Again, I served 26 years, 8 months, 14 days, but who counts? <laughs> I served as a combat medic up until the time where I got wounded where I could no longer medically do the medic job so then mm. I got slammed over into recruiting so I could retire out at a cool start major yeah. uh, why did I become a medic uh, family history uh, I spent a lot of time growing up in a hospital my eldest sister died of leukemia when I was like 12 so I always had in my heart to help people. I I don't mean to cut you off, but I also have a brother. I, I have a brother that died when he was 17. I think it was 14 or 15 when he died of leukemia. And I saw his struggle and it, it, it wasn't pleasurable and it was not nice. And it's just uh it, it was pretty rough. But yeah, that's yeah. But uh I served everywhere from engineer units, infantry units, artillery units, tank units. That, that's one thing about being a medic. You can go anywhere. You can go anywhere, <laughs> yes. I got a few trips over to the sandbox. Mm-hmm. And how, how many did you do? Uh, seven. Seven, okay. Because I know you were a sergeant major, right? Sergeant first class. Sergeant first class, okay. Yeah, they offered me first sergeant, but that would have required another three years. And the wife said something about, uh, I'm not moving again. (laughs) I don't blame her. I really don't. Especially 26 years in. How how many moves did you do? I lost count, man. Because... I know I moved around just about every two to three years. I, I was only in for 14 and a half before I got medically retired. Um, but every two to three years, I was moving around. So, oh, Same thing here. You know. Well, I don't know. Now that I've gotten out, though, I kind of find myself still moving around a little bit. So I kind of like it. So, Well, I totally get that. Uh I do kind of miss the move, the moving, mm-hmm. but you know, as I tell people, I've been around the world three and a half times. 
uh, people say, oh, let's go here. I go, huh, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Really and don't the coin, don't forget back. that. Yeah, really don't need to go back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, so what can our <laughs> brothers and sisters do when they're getting ready to leave, right? First, get every medical piece of paper mm. the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marine has ever given you. Get a copy of it. File with the VA. Okay. Whether you get a 0% or a 100%, file. So you're in the system because eventually you're going to go to the VA and you have to be in the system or you're starting from scratch. Uh, My personal thing uh, the Army put about 10 pounds of titanium in my spine. Jesus. Oh, yeah. What, what, like, how'd that happen? Well, I had a back issue, right, after my one deployment. Mm-hmm. And that's where I got reclassed into recruiting. Well, seven, seven years ago, I had a small stroke. And... When I was at the hospital, they put me through all the head scans and all mm-hmm. that, right? Next thing I know, these doctors come running in with backboards and neck braces going, do not move. I'm like, scary. Okay. Do you know you have a broken neck? Whoa. I said, excuse me? Apparently, my last deployment, when the IED went off, threw me up against that big armored vehicle. A hairline fractured the base of my neck. I walked I walked around with that for years. Not I'm just thinking, oh sore back. No no pain or just sore back, no like yeah. sharp shooting pain. No. So just wow. I figured you'd be kind of like popping opioids and all this no. other stuff or oh, excuse me, in the army Motrin, sorry. No, but uh so that happened about three years before I got retired out, right? Mm-hmm. It took the VA a year and a half to determine if it was service-related. That makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. You didn't, clearly there's no paperwork coming in with it. I mean, you were a recruiter. You know what gets put in the paperwork before they join. Mm-hmm. And the way they doc- document everything now while you're in compared to, well, I know it was a long time ago, but still, you know. they had every piece of paper, the army paid for it, the, yeah, everything. Wow. That's, they were just trying not to pay you. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the biggest problem our brothers and sisters have mm-hmm. is the bureaucracy. Yep. That's why I tell everybody, file. Yes. If you get a 0%, you get a 0%. But at least you're in the system. So 
when you became a 79 Romeo, did you, so you were 68 whiskey first, um, then 79 Romeo. Did you just start off as a regular recruiter then, of course, or? Yeah. Okay. Well, did you have... yes and no. <coughs> Excuse me. Again, uh, they were getting ready to med board me because I couldn't oh. do the medical job. Yeah. Right. But I only had like seven years left to get a full retirement. Okay. And I had a killer sergeant major. You must have. He goes, how bad do you want to retire? I'm like, well, I'm fighting this med thing. He goes, well, you're probably going to lose that. But <laughs> I got a friend. And you know, 79 Romeo's dark side. Yes. More power than special forces. Yeah. When you get detailed as a recruiter, I don't care what you're doing. You're going to recruit the land. I've heard. Well, he made a couple phone calls. The next thing I know, I got orders being detailed as a recruiter. And when I graduated the school, I got converted to 79 Romeo. <laughs> hmm. At I'm least like, you got the option. Well, at least okay. you got the option to stay in because when they told me I was getting medically retired, I was at 14 and a half. I was in mm-hmm. E7, um, Penny 7 a couple years ago, and they didn't give me an option to retire. I had already been a recruiter before, and I went back to my job as a cavalry scout. Well, and we loved our medics, though, by the way. Trust me, we loved our medics. So, yeah. Uh, again, I'm blessed with, I've had good commanders, I've had bad yes. commanders. Mm-hmm. Right. We're, we're talking 79 Romeo. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the black ops of the black ops. I'm not asking how Sergeant Major did it. All I know is I got my pension and that's good. You know, and did I like recruiting? Yes and no. Mm. Where'd you recruit out of? I started in Harrisburg Company. Then I went up to uh, Fort Drum Company. Hmm. And I came down here to Clarksville Company. Where, where's uh, that one at? Uh, headquartered in uh, Nashville. Okay. That wouldn't be a bad area, honestly. Well, no, I'm. I was up north in Paducah, Kentucky. Oh, okay. The high, the high uh-huh. end of the battalion. Yep. And yeah, I did my station commander time. So, uh, so you, did you ever actually work at the company, or were you just station uh, recruiter, station commander, stuff like that? I was recruiter, station commander. I got to play field first a few times. Okay. You know, it was like, it was like, uh, hey, we got three months before our new first sergeant comes in. You got to come to the company. Mm. For what? You're the field first. No, I don't want to (laughs) be. So, when you were getting ready to uh, leave after, okay, so 26 years in, 
two years out, you can start planning your retirement, all that stuff. Um, When did you actually start planning like, hey, I'm getting out, I'm going to be done soon. I need to start getting things lined up on the outside for the outside world. Oh, I started that two years out. Okay. Uh, Actually, I was on orders to go out to Texas to take over a company as a first, right? Mm -hmm. When the Army ran out of PCS money. Mm. So they froze me. And that's when the discussion with the wife was, uh, I'm not moving again. (laughs) So I dropped my retirement packet, got it all approved. And then when they unfroze the money, detailer called and said, hey, we got money, we can move you. I said, you guys don't speak, do you? I have an approved retirement packet. We ain't doing jack. I ain't going nowhere. 26 years in the Army and... I think one thing, it doesn't matter if you spent one day or 26 years, the military does not communicate within its own ranks. Mm-hmm. So so I spent really about the last 10 months, basically, because I went and got my retirement physical and all that stuff within the year. So I spent about the last eight months just going around to the company teaching and mm. basically not doing jack. <laughs> <laughs> That's not too bad, I guess. I mean, you get to run around a little bit. Yeah. So, do you have? You're married, of course. Do you have kids still at home, or? No, uh, I have a 32 year old son and a 29 year old daughter. Jesus. How old? Are, how old are you? I don't think. Enough. I honestly didn't think you were that old. Old enough to know better. <laughs> but still, don't uh, care. Yeah, my son. He is a wounded warrior. Okay. So he's he's not, uh, is he still in now or is he? Oh no, now? medically retired. Okay. IED. Mm. That's where if I ever get my hands on the medic that treated him, right? Yeah, him and I are gonna have serious words. IED goes off, rolls his vehicle. He's unconscious for up to, up to a minute. Oh, just take some Motrin, you'll be okay. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, and it, I mean, what would your son join us? A plumber, no less. Uh, what, what was he doing out getting hit by IEDs? He was with an engineer battalion. Uh, where was he at when he got hit? Or what country? Which which one of the countries? Afghanistan? Iraq. Iraq? Okay. Yeah. Because uh, I know uh, my first flight to Afghanistan, uh, we were up in the Kunar province. We only had one road in and out. And uh, so in order for the Afghan Border Patrol and the Army to get supplies, they had to have this huge, massive called clip come up. And by the time we got up there, everything was shot up. Mm-hmm. And they lost engineers constantly or whoever was with them. So that's why I was kind of wondering, like, man, I hope it wasn't like one of those, but. Because a lot uh, of guys got messed up. Well, I I've been to the stand in Iraq, and when he was in Iraq, he worked in the same AOI was in, and yeah, he was on Ambush Alley. 
Where was that one at? Uh, just leaving Baghdad, going north, right? Yeah. Uh, was it MSR one? Yeah. 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 MSR one, right? As you left out of Baghdad and going up, that was that's the only main road yep. for forty miles <laughs> before you can get off and go anywhere. So yeah, ambush alley. And yeah, again, I was up. I was up in that area the 2003-4 before they started getting too big. So, and then yeah. 2005 six were a little bit further north of that. So, and then, yeah, but yeah, after I got back from my, uh, Afghanistan, I got my wife pregnant and I told, uh, I called, called, uh, branch, my branch manager, like, give me recruiting. Cause I need, uh, I want to spend some time with my kids. I just had them. And so they gave me recruiting. Like it was nothing. Like the next day I was on order. So it's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> all right. So I did that for three years and then I ended up coming back. I almost switched over to 79 Romeo, but it's like, I just couldn't do it. I had my paperwork in and approved and it's just like, I can't do it. I got to go back. I got to have some fun. And that was probably the biggest mistake of my life though. Cause um, when I deployed to Afghanistan, my first one in Afghanistan, 2010, 11, my mental health was bad and Maybe in a later discussion, we'll talk about what all I did in Afghanistan. Later, I tried to try to basically, basically, as a way to get have them kill me. So again, brother, uh, again, we've all been we've all marched down that same road. I was a functioning alcoholic on duty. That's how I. That's how I tried to handle my demons. Yep. I tried to drown them. You know, this led to me almost becoming a statistic. Yep. Well, funny you say. Funny you say that my uh, my brother-in-law actually is a statistic. He uh, died of alcohol about two years ago, and me and him served together in two thousand three, four, and then our roommates out of Fort Riley together back in two thousand four or five before he left for Fort Lewis, Washington. So yeah, he uh yeah, two years ago. So well, uh this is what led me to start Project Diehard. And uh so when you got out, how long did how long before you started Project Diehard? Oh, I started that that was in the planning stages when I went I knew I was gonna do this two years before I retired. Okay. And what all what all does what all does Project Die Hard do? Well, our biggest mission is to bring hope to veterans. Mm-hmm. We are currently developing twenty acres and a ten thousand wow. square foot building that was donated to our mission. Wow! Who uh, who donated the building? The Haven of Love Christian Daycare. Wow! Yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, that is pretty cool. This is our first facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's located in Macanda, Illinois. It's named Forward Operating Base Rush after Sergeant Courtney Rush of the United States Air Force. Uh, she's a res. She came from Illinois. Yeah, Alito, Illinois. That's actually my area where I'm from originally. Yeah. And she lost her fight to the demons January 3rd, 2012. 
this is how we're going to name all of our facilities. This is just our first. This will be a place, a beacon of light for our brothers and sisters. It will have counseling, therapies, skill training, uh, anything we can think of to help, right? Whether a brother and a sister need to come for a day just to hang out, sit there, have a cup of coffee and talk, come for a weekend, just walk around the pond, go through the woods, <laughs> just chill, right? Yep. A week, take a class, get certified in computer, television. <laughs> um, we just partnered with Third Day Warriors. They're a Christian music ministry thing. We're going to be putting in a, recruit, a recording studio so veterans can come if they want to get into the music world. Wow. Okay. Uh, when it's totally completed and up to code and all the hard work's done, it will house... 12 single veterans and this is what makes it really different because two veterans with their families really wow that's i mean that right there um because i went to inpatient treatment for 47 days out of texas while i was stationed out of fort polk louisiana and you know it's all not like locked locked down but it's you know you can't leave the compound of course but you're sheltered from the outside world and there's nothing you know all the stressors of the outside world aren't there while you're trying to deal with this but as soon as you leave that place well no it goes no. straight back to all the stressors no no, and... no 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 the stress you were married and you have a kid right i got six okay but uh -huh. when you were in that inpatient you were still worried about how's the wife How's the yes. kids? Yes. Okay. This is why we're bringing veterans with their families. So if a veteran has to go and do a inpatient rehab, right? No, their family is safe, secure, fed. So they can concentrate on getting better. They don't got to worry about where's my kid's next meal coming from yeah that's that's awesome that's gonna i'm actually excited about that one uh how long before it's fully operational again that depends on everybody who can hear my voice okay we don't take government money yeah uh well what uh how can people get a hold of you and how where can they reach out projectdiehard.org is our website okay we're on all the social medias just as pro just as project diehard yeah project diehard okay uh you can find us uh we ask people pray for our mission because we are faith-based and scripture-led mm -hmm. share our mission because we know somebody out there has the resources to donate so file brush can be up and operational mm -hmm. uh become a monthly patron 22 dollars a month uh, now what sets us apart on that is all donations go to the mission 
I don't take a salary. Hmm. None of my board takes a salary. Nice. Okay. We're actually trying to bring back what it means to be a nonprofit. Well, I'm excited to see this. I am like, I've never like, man, I, I don't know. I'm kind of, kind of speechless a little bit. Like just something like this caliber, you all in your own time. I mean, this is how many people, how many staff are you going to have there? Are you looking at right now? Well, we're planning on 10 full-time with about seven okay. part-time. Okay. And it's all volunteer. Uh, no, we will have paid positions. Oh, okay. Okay, and it goes veteran hiring first, Christian, mm -hmm. then after that. But I got to be honest, look, everybody that is expecting a paycheck from Project Die Hard, mm -hmm. um, email us, contact at Project Die Hard. Uh, you get a volunteer application first. Okay, so you got you want to try them out first, make sure they're actually going to be legitimate and not like the what we go through with these other ones out here where they actually don't care. Yep. Okay. So everybody starts as a volunteer. That's nice. That that'll definitely thin the herd out and hopefully get some real people that want to help veterans. Actually, if you're setting one down here in Texas, I actually know a few. When I went down here, there's one that she legitimately had a heart for veterans. I just wish I could find her again. But she really took special interest in us and made sure oh, we were taken care of. I, so. I got it. They, look, us, us little ones out here, we really do care. Well, that's, and that's kind of why I've gotten this lately. Um, it seems like the veteran community, we are really trying to hold each other up and help each other out in every way we can. Um, of course, I've had my struggles getting out of the military, especially I had three on three and then i had one on the way and then i've had two more after i got out so but i'm really genuinely happy i talked to you this was very nice I, i'm i will definitely get the word out there more this will be we will get this to you soon and then we'll put it up also ourselves and spread the word as much as we again, can again um, brother uh let's stay in contact because yes uh, I, let's have you on our podcast yeah just shoot me shoot me a message on messenger and yeah by all means of course yeah so excited. again we we help those who help us so you're you're helping us so we're going to help you grow well you're helping and me grow right now just by doing this and again brother this is this is what we do we help each other so. All right. Well, you got to get going on to the next one, and, but stay in touch. Uh, we do do a weekly podcast. <laughs> what is our, it? It's our Monday mission update. Okay. It goes every Monday. You can find it on our social media where we give an update on the mission. We try to bring guests on that have a message of hope or like you to come in and say, hey, this is who I am, this is what I do, this is why I help Project Diehard. Well, folks, that's all we have for today's episode of the Swantingo Files. I hope you've enjoyed this journey with your host, Stephen Swanson, as much as he enjoys recording it. Remember, transitioning from military life to civilian life is tough. 
with a little bit of grit, a dash of humor, and a lot of determination, you can overcome any obstacle. So until next time, keep on trucking and keep Swan Deep going.